Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Whitney Port and I have a lot in common. We're both moms of little boys. We both got our start as interns at magazines. She was at Teen Vogue and I was at Cosmo. Though, of course, my experience was not documented on MTV. And more to the point of this podcast, we both have been through similar fertility struggles. In fact, as I've followed along Whitney's journey to build a family, one that she's talked openly about on her YouTube channel, I felt sad pangs of recognition. Here she is this past November, just hours after learning she had miscarried for a third time. He looked at the ultrasound and looked at me and raised his eyebrows and just shook his head. And in that moment, I just knew. And it just felt like Groundhog's Day. Like, just the feeling of grief is all too familiar. I've also had three losses, and some of Whitney's miscarriages have felt really familiar in their details. So I've both been looking forward to talking to her, but if I'm being honest, also kind of, can I admit this, dreading it. It turned out that this conversation was raw and emotional, yes, but it was also comforting. And there was a lot of joy too, especially around the story of the birth of her now four-year-old little boy, Sonny. This is Me Becoming Mom, where we talk to famous women you know and love all about their extraordinary journeys to motherhood. I'm Zoe Ruderman from People. So after my third miscarriage, I was told, I think not dissimilarly from you, that I should explore IVF. And that was kind of a shock to me. Like I was literally in the room after the ultrasound and it was like, how did I not know this was the next step in the process? And one of the reasons that I really wanted to start this podcast is I feel like there's so much mystery and stigma around all of this. And I really appreciate how open you and your husband have been in talking about what you went through. And I speak from experience when I say it's been really helpful to hear those things. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's been a really cathartic experience because just like you, I haven't really even known who to turn to. And I feel like I've turned to social media because there are so many people out there that feel the same way. And it's become like a really amazing support system. I get it. And it's it's so tough and it's so weird. And it feels like it's stigmatized and it's a big mystery, but it's also one of those things that you realize that you don't know anything about it because you haven't been in it yet. Exactly. And obviously then once you get in it, you realize how much stuff there is to know. And like as much as it happens, it's rare to find someone in like your inner circle that's had the same experience. And so it's just really nice to like connect with all these people that have that. It can be challenging at times because then 
I feel like sometimes I'm second guessing myself and like you can't really compare your journey to anybody else's because all of our bodies are so different and our circumstances are so different. But at the same time, like, yeah, it's been the most rewarding part of like my whole career sharing all this stuff because it's felt like the one thing that has really hit people's like core and has made people feel not so alone in in a moment when so many women feel unnecessarily alone. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm hoping that we can sort of start in the present and then work our way back to like the happy story that, that um, you know, it all began with your son, Sonny. So can you tell me a little bit about where you and your husband are in your journey now? Basically, we're in the discovery phase. Um, We had a consultation with a fertility doctor to do like the first testing, like blood testing, follicle testing, and then Timmy gets his sperm tested. And then we kind of take it from there. I've been sent a list of like supplements and vitamins and diet recommendations to start to get into for both Timmy and I. And I'm like a little bit over overwhelmed already. It already starts to feel like, oh my gosh, now someone else is like watching my life and like I have to kind of like just watch things and take things. And it's also hard for me because I just had actually my it's so weird talking about this stuff that's like so vulnerable and intimate to a complete stranger, but like so real. And I only had my my DNC like three weeks ago at this point. And so I'm just, I'm still very early in the discovery. Like, I don't even know when my date of my last period is. And you realize like how much you have to get into like all those details and the timing. It just becomes like a whole other like job, you know? It's such a good way to put it. And you become an expert in this area that you never wanted to be an expert in. And I found it was like being hit over the head with everything. Yes. It's really interesting that you went from a DNC into this next phase after a few weeks, which is similar to what I did. Did you feel like, okay, we, we've been so close so many times, I just want to get to this next step? Or did you and Timmy feel like, we need to take a moment and process. How did you kind of balance the grieving with the action? Yeah, I know. I part of me after it happened was like I need I need time. Like I need time to really process this. Like I don't want to make any decisions. I don't want to be on anybody else's timeline but my own. And then after like two weeks of that, I sort of started to feel this urge. Maybe it was because my experience with grief has been all too familiar and I've kind of been able to recover pretty quickly. It's weird how like numb you get to things when they start to happen over and over. It's kind of sad actually, but it's just, I think our, our body's like way of defending ourselves against anything that feels uncomfortable. Um, but I, after like a couple weeks, I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. I know that this is something that we want. Why not just start the discovery now and see what happens and like not hold myself to any, I don't know. It's hard. Like, I don't want to put a time on it. Like, I just want to see what the process is and be curious about the process and not try to like restrict or put restrictions on ourselves before we even know what we're dealing with here, you know? Yeah. 
we jumped right from three miscarriages to IVF because we didn't know the reasons for the miscarriages. So they assume that it's for chromosomal reasons. And so it's basically get embryos so that you can test them and then, you know, transfer a healthy one. But I found that it was almost really helpful to be like deeply in the moment in those things and just focus on like the next step. So when you had your third miscarriage, you recorded, I think it was that night um, and decided to kind of share with people. Can you tell me about that time and that decision? Honestly, I was feeling all these feelings that I didn't really know where to put them and I didn't know who to tell them to. It just didn't feel like I wanted to dump them onto Timmy. It didn't feel like a need for a therapy session. It didn't feel like I wanted to burden it like with my mom or sisters or whatever. And like I I just had clarity about how I felt and I wanted to share that because I thought that it's so raw for people. I really wanted to just like catch that because I felt like it's, you know, so much of what we see out there as is like produced. And I don't know, I just felt this urge to share. And so um I just recorded it on my phone, like just pacing around my room. And while I did not know this baby and don't necessarily grieve the losses of the individual babies, the miscarriages that I've had, it just feels like this familiar feeling of grief that's all-encompassing and makes you feel like you have to start everything over. I just feel like the more I share the easier it is for me to release. Like, it's like a method of talking. It's a method of therapy. And I find that the more that I talk about it, the less it hurts. Like, now I can talk about it and I can really feel like I've like processed it and thought about it and molded over and shared it. And like, it doesn't feel as, as raw for me. And so I use sharing as that for myself. And I think it's that it helps in that way for other people as well. So what were you feeling when you got that news at the doctor's office that day? I was I was honestly shocked. Like I went to the doctor by myself because Timmy and I had just been in a week before and everything looked great and we were just like really hopeful because we thought there was no reason not to just be hopeful, you know? And I was really shocked and I just immediately welled up and had to kind of pull myself together. And it's just, it's very like, it's, it makes you feel really alone that moment. Um, Even if Timmy were there, like, it just makes you feel like this feeling that there's just nothing anybody can do but you to like pick yourself up and like help you recover. And, um, I remember feeling that and then it's like startling, it's like done. And then he's like, let's go to your, our office and talk. And like he said, you know, if this is something that you really want, I would, you know, limit your risks and go s- speak to a specialist. How did you feel when you heard that? I kind of knew it was coming in a way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I sort of felt like I had heard that after three miscarriages that – was when you maybe go for for a little bit of help, not necessarily like straight to IVF, but like start to maybe look at getting things tested. 
I think a lot of women also don't realize that when you get that news, you have to make a decision about how to proceed. So can you talk a little bit about with this miscarriage and your previous ones, um, did you know that you wanted to have a DNC? Did you consider waiting, taking a pill? Yeah. I mean, now after three, like you have more of it down and you kind of like, unfortunately know the process and know your preferences. Exactly. Even from the first two, I was offered that the pill and and I didn't want to do that. And then like basically self-administer something and then like watch myself and go through the process of like the cramping and the bleeding and whatnot. Even though after my first DNC, I had that anyways, because it wasn't fully cleaned out. Oh God, how awful. So that was something that I didn't know was like a thing either. My previous two, the, after the DNC, like the recovery was was very easy, I will say. That's one thing for anybody that has to go through that. Um, at least for me, for the first two, it was really easy and there's no pain or discomfort or anything. But yeah, after the, the for the third one, um, I had to go in and get it like cleaned out again. Oh, Whitney, how awful. I know. So that's the stuff that you don't realize that like you have to deal with, like the aftermath of of a, the pregnancy and a miscarriage. It's like, it's just a lot of like going back to that place of loss again. Um, it's obviously sad to have to go through those losses and to have these new losses remind you of old losses, but this is life. Like we're getting older. I'm 36 years old now. Like I am trying to learn from all of this, obviously, and have perspective on all of it and look at everything else that I'm so grateful for. Like, I know it sounds so cheesy, um, but I feel like in this whole fertility journey, I've learned that even if Sunny is like, like I'm so lucky to even just have Sunny. You know what I mean? If nothing comes from this, like I don't want to look at it as as a loss. I totally agree, but I also think that it's like we have to give ourselves grace. I know. What does Sunny say about this? I mean, does he ask for siblings? He does. He's only four years old. How do you sort of talk to him about this journey? How do you talk to a kid who's so little? I mean, that's been a really hard part because I don't want to like hide stuff from him. I want to be honest with him. I feel like even a four-year-old can like sense when something's going on or when there's conversations happening without them. And so like we tried to explain that there was like a baby growing, but that it sometimes it stops growing. And he says, well, maybe it just needs more time. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Like in the simplest terms, like we just need a little bit more time. So tell me a little bit about how your miscarriages differed. I was really surprised that um, they got harder as I went on and had more of them. Like I thought, oh, I'll get more used to it. You kind of know the process. It's not a mystery. I found each one more shocking, I guess, because I had this idea of, oh, you know, people have pregnancy losses, but I, I didn't know anyone who had had so many pregnancy losses. So it felt like it, it was just more and more surprising. I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about how that first one compared to the second compared to the third, emotionally speaking. Um, so interesting. I had really such different reactions to all three of them. Um, 
after the first miscarriage, I felt something like a a release, like it felt like it wasn't the right time. It felt like, I don't know, wrong of me to feel that way, especially when I'm in a place to have a second, like want to have a second. I'm with, you know, the love of my life. Like, why should I feel this way? So it was like maybe a little bit of a defense mechanism, like putting a wall up against like really feeling the grief about it. The second time I felt really, like really defeated. That one was really the hardest for me. And then the third one, it was more, I don't know. It was like I was saying before, it was like a little bit of this numbness kind of set in where I just sort of felt like, all right, now kind of like what's next? And how does Timmy's way of processing this differ from yours or how similar is it? You guys have such a wonderful, supportive relationship. It's so clear. Um, How is he going through it as compared to you? Timmy is very much a like brush it off, shake it off, like let's move forward kind of a guy. And so I think Timmy, when we found out each time has been devastated and been in his feelings for a few days. Um, but he's, he's just like a positive thinker. Yeah. Which I like envy, you know, there's not the, um, analyzation that sometimes I feel like I do. Yeah. That's funny. My husband is very similar. And sometimes I think that people are drawn to other people who balance each other out in these situations. And one of the big realizations I had while going through this whole journey was like, what an incredible partner I chose. I found that to be like a a small silver lining as I went through it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We don't often hear from partners of women who've gone through loss or losses, and I think their feelings are often left out of the conversation. So I was really curious to hear directly from Timmy on what this has been like for him. Here's Whitney's husband, Timmy Rosenman. Each time I kind of went through, I think, the same progression of emotions, and they both started with being like, like shocked because you think you're the star of your movie and like it's supposed to be a good movie. So that's, I was like shocked and then I was pissed. Like Whitney is right. She describes me as like the less emotional one. And I think that I tried to keep like a positive, like let's just, let's just go, like put one foot in front of the other and like think about what the next step is. That was definitely my attitude uh after the miscarriages initially i was i was upset and and angry and had all those feelings but it was important to like balance out how like we as a family were dealing with it you know and like it's a different situation for me and whitney because you know, we both lost the opportunity of, of a baby, but it, it, it happened in Whitney's body. So it was, it's important for me to recognize we're going through something that is similar yet definitely different. That's sort of the advice I would give to the partner of a woman who had a miscarriage is that feel your feelings first, of course, like this is something that that just happened to you and it's okay for you to to be sad and upset and pissed or whatever, all the, the feelings that come to you. 
help yourself, give yourself as much time as you need to, to then be able to help your partner, like put your oxygen mask on before you help someone else. And then like, secondly, like recognize that your partner is going through something different than you are. After this quick break, we hear Sunny's birth story. And let me tell you, when it comes to giving birth, Whitney might be the most chill mom you have ever met. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's talk about um, your journey to having Sunny and and what that was like. So tell me, did you know that you wanted to start trying quickly? Was Sunny a surprise? Sunny was so easy to conceive. Like that's why I feel like I never even thought about this or I, you know knew about it just because Sunny was so easy. It was a year after we got married that we got pregnant. So tell me about finding out that you were pregnant. Did you have symptoms? What tipped you off? Yeah. So um, I my, my period was just like a couple days late and my period was just always on time, but I wasn't feeling anything yet. So I took a test and um, I remember we were getting ready to go to a Pilates class together and I like took a test and I set it on the bathroom counter and I like went to go get ready and put my clothes on and Timmy saw the results and was like, oh my God, it says yes. And I was like, oh my God. Wait, so did you mean for him to see it before you or you just kind of forgot that it was there waiting? No, I just kind of like, I guess maybe I took a couple seconds longer than than he did to check it. And like, I just didn't think I was like, I just really didn't think I was. So anyways, we like got in the car to go to the Pilates class. I immediately called my mom and um, she like screamed, screamed at the top of her lungs. Um and Timmy's parents were obviously so thrilled. Like, it was sad for me on one hand because, you know, I envisioned obviously telling my dad as well and hearing like that excitement in his voice. And sometimes like seeing my mom celebrate the joys like reminds me of my dad's loss. And so it's like more in my face in those happy moments. But we were elated. I had no idea what was about to come. Like zero. I was the first one of all my friends to get pregnant. What was the first trimester like for you? When did you start having symptoms? And were you sick with Sunny as well? Yeah. So I think six, seven weeks was when it really started to hit. And I was feeling like so nauseous, like all I wanted to do was throw up, but I couldn't throw up and no food sounded like nothing sounded good, but I was starving. Like I had to keep my stomach full. 
um, or else I would get so nauseous, but like everything sounded disgusting. Oh my God. And all day long, all you're thinking about is food in the most like love-hate way. Yeah. So did that prompt you? I'm curious, did you have to tell people sooner than you would have because you were feeling so sick? Yeah, for sure. Like especially people I worked with because I like just couldn't show up to stuff and couldn't perform the way that I wanted to. Um, I had to tell a lot of people and I didn't really mind that. Like I've never really been a person that's like believed in the karma of all that. Um, maybe I should think twice about that now. No, tell me a little bit about that though, because you've been so open with your fans and your followers. It sounds like from your first pregnancy, you just are sort of like wanting to share and be open about it. I think that old rule of 12 weeks, like great if that works for some people. For some people, they want like I wanted to wait till like 20 weeks to tell people. Some people are happy to tell sooner. So where, how did you kind of come to that decision? I just felt like for me, it felt like I was keeping a secret and it felt like I was not sharing this huge part of my life that I felt like would not only possibly, I don't know, help others or like start a conversation about something, but also maybe like help me release something. Like I just needed to release it and I need to sh- to share how I was feeling. And I, I just felt like I was holding something in and I kind of felt like I wanted people to hold my hand through it, you know? So what was the rest of the pregnancy like? Were you feeling good? Were you like, when did you start to feel excited and start planning for the birth and for Sunny's arrival? So my last trimester, we were we were really focused on moving. So we were living before in this loft space in Venice. It was like all open, airy loft space, no doors, no privacy. We were like, we can't have a baby in here. I mean, we could have, but we just like- Not ideal for a little baby. Yeah. 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 Um, we, we needed like a more practical setup. So we moved out like two weeks before I had Sunny. The day I put the last box in this house, I was like, oh my God, I, f- I think I'm going into labor. And like it ended up just being, I think, cramps from obviously putting my body out that day for moving. But you guys really cut it close though. That is no joke. Joke, two weeks. Wow. Yeah. We spent then the next two weeks grinding, like getting the house ready, getting the nursery ready, like making things comfortable. And then he came on his due date. Yeah. Two weeks after we moved in. Oh, I love that. You know, my son was born on his due date too, which is like, I've heard something like only 5% of babies are born on their due dates. It's very, very rare. Yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) So tell me about that day. How did you know that it was happening? So my water broke in the middle of the night, but I thought I had peed my pants. So I actually just went back to sleep because it wasn't like a gushing thing. Like my sister said hers broke, like it gushed out of her. And then like she had, she soaked through blankets, like on the way to the hospital. Like mine was like a Sometimes I still wonder if that was even my water breaking, but um, I went back to sleep and then I woke up and started like feeling cramping at like 7 a.m. So you didn't even tell Timmy when you thought you wet the bed. You were like, eh, I'll just go back to no, bed. I just went back to sleep. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. 
Like the fact that I didn't put two and two together, like so classic me. Um, so I woke, we woke up the next morning, we call the doctor, we tell her like how far apart things are. And she's like, okay, just like start getting ready. Don't need to come in yet. So we laid in bed. I had my hospital bag packed. Um, were you someone who like overpacked though? Like, did you bring every last thing? Yeah, no, I overpacked. I brought everything. And then the most random things ended up being the things that I like the um, battery operated candles. I never thought I would use them, but someone told me to like set the vibe to put them in there. And we ended up turning off the lights and putting them all over the room. And it like really set a tone. I love that. Yeah. But so, okay. So we waited at home. We watched, I think we watched Mighty Ducks, was it? Or like, uh, no, we watched Major League. Oh my God. <laughs> I remember someone had told me to eat something before going because once you go checked in, you are not able to eat anything. So as we were timing things and I was like, I let's go eat something before we go. So we even went to Bristol Farms. I like I love it. Got I ate a full meal. Do you remember what you ate? Yeah, I ate um I remember from like the hot bar, I got brisket. I think I got like orange chicken and like vegetable fried rice. I love it. So what was your mental state like? Were you nervous? I was r pretty relaxed, honestly. That's amazing. I w was very accepting of the unknown. And I think that in this regard, ignorance is bliss. Like I'd had such a seamless pregnancy. I was young. I didn't, I just wasn't wrapped up in worries. Like I was of course worried that, that a, a human was coming out of my body, but I don't know. My sister even said to me, I remember Jade telling me like, I hope that I'm this calm when I go into labor. Wow. And who was with you at the hospital? Did you have, I think I read that your mom was there. Everyone. So my mom and Timmy were in the room while I was pushing, but like in the waiting room, it was all my siblings. I have four siblings, like their spouses, my in-laws, since Sonny came on his birthday, they had already planned to come in on his birthday. So they were, they came and were there by the evening. Um, it was like 15 people in the waiting room. It's like in a movie. I feel like that never actually happens. <laughs> I know. And we didn't know the sex either. So it really was like a real movie moment when he came out and Timmy could go into the wa waiting room and scream like, it's a boy. Oh, I love that. That's so amazing. So tell me about... Um, your mom and Timmy are there when you're pushing. Um, what was going through your head when that started? So, okay. So the pushing and the IV in my wrist, I remember being like the hardest parts of labor. Those have been the takeaways for me. Like the pushing, I pushed for an hour and a half and it was the most exhausting like physical work of my life. I was ready to give up so many different times. And my doctor was like, there's no giving up. Like you can't, there's no option. Like there's no way out. 
So how did you motivate yourself during those 90 minutes? It was like a lot of counting. Uh, I mean, now that I think back on 90 minutes, oh my God, in the moment you're not realizing it's so much time, but there was like a lot of counting and then like Timmy and my mom holding hands underneath my head and like pushing me up to push. Oh, Whitney, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was. It really was. And then... And then finally, towards the end, the doctor gave me the option to like do a little cut um, to make things go a little bit faster and to not have me like just push out on my own and not have the tearing as bad. So that was, I was glad that I did. Um, and then, then that moment is just like mushiness, you know? So tell me about it though. Like you you push Sunny out. When do you learn that it's a boy? I look down and I see like bright red balls and I'm like, oh my God. Like I hear I see that before I even hear it's a boy. Um and then and then I hear from the doctor, it's a boy. And I'm like, oh, I'm like so relieved uh, because I really wanted a boy we were set on our boy name and we weren't set on our girl name. And I was like, okay, now I don't have to deal with that. So what was it like when you held Sunny for the first time? I felt this protective nature. Like I was never going to have like a solid night's sleep again. Like I just knew, I just, I, it was, it was something that it, it's so cheesy, but it's something that just feels like this little piece of your life. That's a puzzle that just like fits in, you know, I can't explain it. It, it just made me feel like my experience of life was just going to be like richer and greater, like now being able to see it again through his eyes, it just gave me a whole new fresh perspective on life, which I definitely needed. That's really special. So tell me about those few hours. Did you literally have like 15 people visiting you in the postpartum bed? Yes. So then there were just like little waves of people coming in and I was into it. I was relaxed. I feel like, I don't know, because I'm the middle child of five kids, like I'm just used to having a lot of people around and it wasn't like a thing for me. You are like the chillest new mom ever. Like no one I've spoken to is like me and my partner were both like relaxed. And then afterwards we relaxed. That's really impressive. I know. I mean, afterwards, once the baby came home, I was not relaxed, but like leading up to it, I was pretty relaxed. Yeah. So tell me about bringing Sunny home from the hospital. What do you remember about that day? I remember, um, Oh my God, I remember the car seat situation, just like how most new moms, or new parents, when they get the, the newborn in the car seat, never feel like it's on correctly. Like they look so small, it doesn't look right. You're so nervous. Like that's just the scariest moment. Um, it feels like too soon for them to be in a moving vehicle. But that ride home, I remember coming home to like a pretty full house, which was actually comforting for me in that moment. But after the next few days, I started to realize how much like of my space I needed. But I remember feeling that night, uh, like an uh, anxiety coming over me, like, oh my God, this is now 
my responsibility. Like, and I started having all these fearful things of what could happen to him. Like I started to have all these visions. Do you think in retrospect, it was postpartum anxiety? I think a little bit for sure. I didn't really feel a need to diagnose myself because it didn't feel like it was taking over. But then once the breastfeeding stuff started to creep in like that, I that led into full on, I think, postpartum anxiety that I probably could have utilized some help with, but I didn't know what I was dealing with at the time. So what was so anxiety riddled about that, that it was harder than you imagined? Yeah. I mean, the night I got home, my nipples were already like so like chafed and dry and bloody and painful, you know, that I, I couldn't breastfeed anymore. And so all of a sudden I was like, what is Sunny going to eat? And I hadn't talked to a lactation specialist at the hospital, which is something that I highly recommend. Like when you are at the hospital to make sure that you visit with a lactation specialist before you leave. And what was that like for you emotionally? Was it, because I went through a version of this too, was it disappointing? Did you feel guilty or were you typical you and you felt kind of relaxed about all of it? No, no. I was, this was when things got really hard for me emotionally and I started to feel really ridden with guilt. And that this is when I started to, I, I ended up exclusively pumping for six months. Like I stopped breastfeeding after two weeks because it was just too hard for me. It was just too painful. And the pumping seemed to be easier for me. And I was able to get enough milk to to feed him exclusively with breast milk for six months. And then I, I told myself I was going to get through the six months. And that's something that I wouldn't do again. Like I would never put that much pressure on myself because looking back on it, those six months like were a complete blur. I was just so focused focused on getting through the pumping, the, the whole job of it, also getting mastitis three times, like, oh my God, Whitney. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a mess. It was a total mess. And, um, that's also been something that I think like when I got pregnant the first time and had that miscarriage, I think part of that relief came from the fear of having a second because I was still not so close to the first, but closer to the first where it was fresher in my brain. And I was like, I am not ready to go through this again. Specifically the breastfeeding and the pumping and making those decisions. Wow. Yes. I was like, I do not want to be faced with this kind of guilt or this kind of like discomfort or this kind of issue again. That The breastfeeding was by far the hardest thing for me to deal with through all this. And so have you and Timmy talked about, you know, if another baby comes along, like, do you have a, a plan for that to give yourself a little bit more grace and space with, with how you feed the baby? For sure. The plan is that if I start to feel those feelings again, where I feel overcome by it and I'm not able to enjoy having a newborn um, and I'm not happy, and I know specifically I'm not happy because of this, to like really listen to that and not let the guilt override those feelings, to like really listen to what my body and mind is saying. I'm curious um, how, you know, the the process of being pregnant, having sunny motherhood, how is it different from what you expected? Like, how did you envision it before you were a mom versus how is it really now? 
Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I I looked at my mom as an example of what motherhood was going to be like. And my mom seemed to just be like a very also seamless, natural mom. Like she was a mom to five kids. She always made it look easy. Um, But she also wasn't working and was like raising children in like a totally different day and age, obviously. And so I think for me, I had this naive thought of like how easy and seamless it was going to be. And I didn't realize, you know, naive me, I didn't realize obviously how much it was going to like infiltrate my life in so many ways. Um, and also become such a huge part of my career too. Like, how my vulnerability about motherhood would become something that would become such a huge part of what I talk about on a daily basis. Oh, that's so interesting. Like for instance, this fertility journey, like I now face how much do I share and like how much do I not share? And that is part of like the vehicle that keeps the social media engine running, you know? So you have to think about those things. Like all of a sudden, so much of your personal becomes professional. And I don't think I realized how much that would happen with that. Have you and Timmy talked about how much you want to share of this fertility journey that you're going on, how much you'll share? Yeah, I am kind of fully ready to just like go full force, share everything. I don't know that I could be that detail oriented about like it's day three of like show the whole thing diary style. But I think that we will do updates and we will do, we will follow along in the way that I do my social. And do you feel like if and when you get pregnant again, will you feel a desire to share it early on like you have in the past? I don't know. I think I'll see how I feel in the moment. I do feel like it, like, again, it is cathartic to be able to share it. It feels like this weight lifted off my shoulders and feel, and it feels like I can actually then talk about what's really going on with me as opposed to like cover it up for three months or whatever. But, um, you know, part of me feels a need to maybe do things differently well, you'll see how you feel in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Well, Whitney, I'm so happy for you and I'm wishing you all the best in your journey and I'll be rooting for you on the sidelines and following along. So like I said, when we first started talking, it was like a real comfort to me to hear from someone else who had been through something similar. So I think that lots of other women probably feel the same way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I am so grateful for this opportunity. I'm, I'm, sorry that you have had to deal with this too, but I think it's so wonderful that you are doing this podcast and having these thoughtful conversations and like, thank you. Yeah. Have asked me a lot of questions that I still even need to formulate opinions on like really insightful, awesome questions that I need to reflect on a little bit. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Well, we've been through a lot of the same things. So I feel like I can, we can put ourselves in each other's shoes. That's it for this episode of Me Becoming Mom. In fact, this is the last episode in the season. But if you want to hear more celebrity birth stories from people like Hoda Kotb, Alyssa Milano, Senator Tammy Duckworth, Candy Burris, Jillian Michaels, and Padma Lakshmi, you can always find them on our podcast feed or on people.com. And whether you're on your own journey to becoming a mom or you just like to hear these amazing stories, thank you so much for listening. I'm Zoe Ruderman. 
If you like our podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps people find the show. And we'd also love if you told a friend about us. This podcast is produced by people in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Andy Cubis, Jason Mack, Brian Rivers, Elisa Sessler, and Suzanne Semeloff. Our executive producers are Lauren Mickler, David Flumenbaum, and me, Zoe Ruderman. Thank you so much for listening.